Properties, Thomas and Raymond Kwok. The trial proper will start today and is expected to run until September or October. The defendants are charged with offering and accepting bribes, conspiracy to commit misconduct in public office and providing false information. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. This is Enid Cho. Hong Kong has slipped down the global competitiveness rankings. What's going on? I'll ask David O'Rear, Chief Economist at the Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce, later on the show. That's after a look at the global markets with Francis Lin, CEO of GEO Securities. I'll also be talking to Bloomberg's gaming reporter, Venice Chan, about the latest trends in Asia's casino industry. Pfizer has withdrawn its £69.4 billion offer for British rival AstraZeneca, bringing an end to a month-long takeover battle. The American drug maker abandoned the pursuit after AstraZeneca's board rejected its final offer. At a European Central Bank conference in Portugal yesterday, Mario Draghi warned of a negative spiral of low inflation and credit constraints that would derail Europe's recovery. The head of the ECB also said more preemptive actions may be warranted, raising expectations that the bank will introduce measures to boost lending after its next policy meeting on June 5th. Carlo Messina, CEO of Italian bank Intesa San Paolo, was there and he told Bloomberg what he expects the ECB to do. Most likely could be a reduction in the interest rate and uh, and uh, a, a negative uh, deposit on on the ECB. What uh, what could be important in my view is to work uh, with uh, a, a, an attention to the to this, the the euro devaluation because uh, if we need to grow, we need to have internal demand to grow. And internal demand can be. Uh, can be in a more positive position if we have a devaluation of the euro. It is typical when you have weak growth that you cannot have strong currencies. That's Carlo Messina of Intesa Sao Paulo calling for a weaker euro. The European parliamentary election saw far-right, anti-European, anti-austerity politicians winning a record number of seats, while former Italian Prime Minister Mario Monti says there may indeed be a case for relaxing the fiscal cutbacks imposed by Brussels. Many countries, particularly in the South, have made indeed progress towards achieving uh, budgetary discipline, Uh, Italy, of course, is uh, uh, a country that came out of the crisis without any uh, financial assistance from anybody and is is now out of any excessive deficit procedure by the EU. So uh, in uh, in recognition of the good progress made uh, or being made by countries, uh, the European Union should uh, uh, go to a policy framework that is more expansionary in terms of uh, investment, both investment at the European level and in allowing some more uh, nationally financed public investments Mr. for selected projects. 
That's the former Italian Prime Minister Mario Monti on Bloomberg earlier. South, Af- South Korea's largest mobile messaging service provider, Kakao, will merge with Dome, an internet portal and games developer in Korea, in a deal which values Kakao at $3 billion US dollars. The deal is meant to help the two compete better against Naver, a local rival that offers similar services. And as Narendra Modi is sworn in as India's reform-minded Prime Minister, the country waves goodbye to a symbol of its past. Hindustan Motors has announced that it will stop producing the Ambassador, the car of choice for so many Indian taxi drivers, and an icon whose unfashionably rounded curves has, to the delight of its fans, essentially stayed the same for nearly 60 years. The company cites weak demand and a lack of funds. Let's take a look at how the Asian markets have opened this morning. The Nikkei is uh, down nearly 11 points to 14,591 points. The Australian ASX is down three points to 5,490. And the Seoul Cosby is up three points at 2,013 points. European stocks had closed higher yesterday. The FTSE MIB index in Italy rose the most, up 3.6% to 21,493 after Prime Minister Matteo Renzi's party secured a landslide victory in the European parliamentary election. Both the UK and the US markets were closed yesterday. In commodities, crude oil prices fell after Ukraine's election of a new president, which may help ease months of tension with Russia. Brent crude fell 0.2% to 110.32 a barrel, and WTI fell 0.616% to $104.18 a barrel. There's interesting movement in the price of copper, often dubbed the metal with an economics PhD for its uncanny ability to predict economic growth. Copper for July delivery has climbed to an 11-week high of $3.19 a pound on expectations that Chinese demand is going to recover. On other metals news, Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing, owner adopt owner of the London Metal Exchange, is faced with a new legal challenge regarding the price of zinc. That is adding to a long-running dispute where buyers of metals, such as aluminium, are alleging that LME rules which limit how much metals can be, how much metal can be moved out of its warehouses each day is artificially creating bottlenecks and driving up prices. Hong Kong X files to defend itself against all these charges. Now let's say hello to our first guest, Francis Lun, CEO of GEO Securities. Hi, good, good morning, morning. Francis. Good to speak to you again. Yes. So Dr. Copper says Chinese demand is going to recover. <laughs> is it right, you think? Well, if you look at the PMI index last month, there are some signs uh, that uh, uh, manufacturing is recovering a little bit. But when you look at Europe, uh, you, you look at Mario Draghi is, is trying to stimulate the economy. I don't think the export recovery is there yet, not just yet. I think global demand for goods are still very low. That is because of Europe's downturn and America's recovery is still quite uh, is lagging behind. I think uh, America will, uh, the U.S. Will, will report a shrinkage uh, in the economy in the first quarter by 0.5%. And uh, in Asia, well, I don't think the demand is there, uh, especially in China, in that the uh, real est- the property market is really falling apart. And the property sector actually pulled 
a big chunk of the economy uh, because you have building materials, home appliances, and all that. If the property market fails and every and the house of cards will come crashing down, and of course China's been trying to say that uh, 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 they're trying to uh, drive up domestic consumption. And what they did was uh, in the past five years they doubled the wages, but then by doubling the wages, you you drive out the factories out to Vietnam, Bangladesh, Indonesia, and all that. And all these uh, uh, manufacturers in Pearl River Delta and also in the Chiang Kong Delta crying that uh, China is pricing itself out of the manufacturing well, it's a, sector. it's a tough balancing act yeah, as definitely. China tries to make this transition to a more, more domestically driven economy. But yeah. what about the growing middle class? Okay, we've seen yeah. um, okay a lot of factory jobs cut perhaps, and yeah. also at the maybe at the very top level, mm-hmm. some people are affected by this anti-corruption drive, right? Yeah. But that, what about the big chunk in the middle? Aren't they spending more? Yeah, I think they're spending more. Well. When when you look at Alibaba, Taobao, Wang, uh, they are they are raking in some. I think now they're raking in something like two trillion yuan in sales every year. That is enormous amount of money, and so. I think the spending is there, but still, uh, you're looking at a uh, GDP per capita of about 6,000 uh, US dollars per annum per person. It's, uh, it, it's so-called the mid-level among the 200 nations in the world, but you have to go up to the 10,000 US dollar per capita per annum level to say you're a rich society or, or a little uh, well-off society. And but do you think that the government is going to be injecting more money into the economy by, say, you know, um, instigating more infrastructure no, uh, projects? No, I, I, I think that has uh, produced disastrous results in that the, uh, the debt level of the country by 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 the uh, domestic gov- by the local governments and then the uh, the uh, uh, the banking sector i think uh, uh, i think the uh, local government alone in the past 6 years incurred like 21 trillion yuan of debt and that is a lot of money of course the good thing is that china now has a high speed rail network and also uh, millions of uh, uns- uh, well so units but empty units, uh, uh, hundreds of ghost towns al- uh, along the way. So that is a lot of wasted money. So uh, uh, boosting infrastructure is certainly uh, not the answer, or, nor is uh, 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 pumping uh, uh, so Beijing is not likely to yeah. use this so method it's again. A difficult Though, I mean, yeah. the local governments, I suppose they may see their debt problems improve somewhat when they start issuing their own bond sales <laughs> directly, right? Well, that, 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 that is really a trick, uh, a financial trick, because what, what you do is that you, 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 you put the obligation, the obligation from the banks and the central government to local governments. So, so if the local governments go into default, and some people will really get, have, will get burned so far, uh, until now, I don't think anybody, uh, 
uh, get burned from local government uh, debt obligations, but they will change if they localize the local uh, local government debt. Okay. Well, turning to the states, um, uh, the um, out there on Friday, U.S. stocks closed at a record high. Yep. The S and P reached yeah, 1, hit the one thousand nine hundred point first time. Now, the outlook of the U.S. market is, of course, very important yeah. um, to Alibaba, which is preparing for this massive IPO. Yeah. Do you think that um, Alibaba may have missed? Um, no, no. I, th- I, 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 I think uh, Alibaba will, the, will be the the signpost that the uh, uh, internet bubble uh, will peak in 2014, like in 2000, and uh, they it peak in uh, I think in September in 2000. I think uh, because th- this is such a huge issue. And and so and because the success of JD.com and everybody will be clamoring for this for the stock, and uh, I don't think you will get another chance for such a big IPO again. So what do you expect to happen is that there's going to be very strong demand, hugely oversubscribed. De- definitely. And then and there then, comes and then the sell-off will follow. Yeah, that's right. They will mark the watershed <laughs> where where the, where the bear market will begin and the market will crash. Yeah, well, we're hearing more and more that companies are reassessing their plans to uh, to, mm. to launch a public listing. Like latest is the hut to the UK dot com company. They said mm, maybe we're going to wait this out. Yeah, that's right. And mm. um, I mean, a lot of people who bought um, Hong Kong shares at the beginning of the year will be kicking themselves, right? Yeah, <laughs> it that's would be, right. It would be much better if they bought US stocks instead. And in fact, a lot, remember Indian how Indian stocks? <laughs> yeah, or Indian stocks. Well, a lot of people remember were saying at the end of twenty thirteen that okay, the US market has had a great year. You Investors should look elsewhere for values, yeah. such as Europe, Asia, and then you know. So far, there's no sign of this kind of rotation. No, not at all. I think uh, Hong Kong's been dragged down by the uh, by the terrible uh, Asia market. Uh, uh, I, 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 when you look at uh, Hong Kong, okay, you have a company like Tencent that uh, triple its value in the past few years. And uh, you look at the US, you have uh, Facebook and Google and all that. But when you look at Asia market, uh, no stock, well, no blue chip stocks has uh, has appreciated noticeably in the past five years. So if you put money in the Asian market, you come up even in the last five years. So that is a great disincentive for anybody to invest in Asia. So unless they improve the quality of stocks in the in Asia market, I don't think there's any hope. So you don't think that uh, the, this um, uh, so-called mini through train that they're introducing, well, well, the link trading on, between Shanghai and Hong Kong is going to help much? Well, I so, think it will help. It will help X shares actually because everybody calculated that uh, more money will flow out of China than than, than money flow into into China. So I think so the, that should give uh, the Hang Seng a, a bit of a yeah. Boost. They will give Hang Seng a, a kick, uh, but 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 then X shares are higher than A shares. So. So I think that uh, money will go the other way too, but but overall it, it will be good. Uh, I I I think, uh, 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 but you still need a fundamental 
uh, reform of the Asia market. Okay, so we're looking um, ac- across Hong Kong. Are there any undervalued stocks that you think are right for the picking now, such as you know, shipping, <laughs> shipping, or maybe well, um, if you look, look at undervalued uh, stocks, that the entire Asia sector is undervalued <laughs> because they are trading at five or six times uh, PE and six uh, percent yield and then under one time book value. But the problem is the this. Issues they don't move at all. Uh, in Hong Kong, they haven't they haven't moved in the last four years. In Shanghai, they haven't moved in the last five years. So, so you're you're much better off buying a high yield REIT or something like that. Okay, is that what you're going to advise your clients to well, do? Well, well, I, I, I will advise my clients to buy the uh, the. Uh, 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 gas, uh, gas supplier stock like uh, uh, China Gas, uh, ENN, and all that because of the uh, Sino-Russian deal on gas. Oh. I think uh, the market will increase substantially because the. the but it's stop- going to take a long time to build all well, that infrastructure. Well, the, well, the first supply of Russian gas will come online in. 2018, so it's four years down exactly. the line. So, so within this time frame, I think you can build a lot of uh, pipelines. So, I think uh, that will be if you are investing for the future. So, okay, so invest in country, companies that are building the pipelines. Well, building and then and then supplying the pipe gas to the homes. Okay, a long-term yeah. bet, you say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, thank you very much You're for welcome. joining me today. That's Francis Learn, CEO of GEO Securities. Next, let's take a look at Hong Kong's competitiveness. With us now is David Oria, Chief Economist of the General Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thank you very much for waiting on the line. Well, it was leaked early, but it's official now. Hong Kong has fallen two places on the IMD World Competitiveness Ranking, and Singapore has overtaken us. Were you surprised? No, not really. These rankings are very relative. They're fairly general. And, uh, in fact, there's only four countries in the world that got more than 90 points, and we're still one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, um, it's a matter of how the indices are calculated, what's changed from previous years and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, the uh, ranking is based on four things, right? Economic performance, government efficiency, business efficiency, and infrastructure. So, which do you think is the area where we've lost the most competitiveness? Well, clearly, the, uh, the most important uh, change was that Singapore outperformed us economically. Uh, they had faster growth and lower inflation, and that counts quite a bit. Um, so e- even though our domestic economy uh, in- improved very well in this ranking, um, it-, it really wasn't enough compared to what Singapore has done. But there's some other very strange things. For example, our uh, rating under the exchange rate stability went from first in the world to 26th. Wow. Uh, and frankly... It's hard to figure out what happened until you look at the fine details and discover they changed the methodology. And how? So, so that has what meant that they are taking into account the likelihood that Hong Kong would unpack from the dollar? No, they're simply replacing the dollar with the uh, what's called the uh, special drawing rights, which is a, a false currency that has been around for many decades uh, and it's used in IMF accounting. Um, so a very technical thing has nothing to do with um, our exchange rate stability or anything at all, but suddenly we lose a massive amount of, uh, of points. However, that doesn't 
doesn't mean that we're, we're fine and there's no problems. Our competitiveness is the only thing we really have going for us. Uh, and we are clearly uh, suffering in some other areas. Uh, one of the most important of these is on our institutions and, uh, and business legislation, where we're seeing a, a significant decline. And so you are talking about um, – are you talking about things like the new company's ordinance and the, um, uh, the anti-monopoly um, legislation? Well, that certainly is, is likely to be part of it, um, as well as uh, things such as minimum wage. Uh, these are, are the core pieces of our competitiveness that we have 100% control over. Um, other things such as how much demand there is in Europe or America, we don't have any control over, um, or what Singapore does. But these things we have complete control over, and therefore they should be, they need to be the absolute focus of our attention. And when it, I mean, it does seem that um, there are more businesses um, uh, complaining about things like Hong Kong's growing bureaucracy or the falling quality of the bureaucracy and um, and at the same time uh, companies going to Singapore um, instead of Hong Kong say continue to complain that it's just you know extremely hard to secure a long-term lease with Hong Kong landlords um, because you know they would terminate leases in favor of someone offering more rent for example um, so um, do you think that, going to my first point first, do you think that the bureaucracy is also a problem when it comes to Hong Kong competitiveness? I think we have to, to not assume that it isn't a problem, and, and that's a rather convoluted way of saying yes. I do. <laughs> um, we have always had an extremely high regard for the quality and honesty of our civil service, uh, and rightly so. Um, we have also had a very strong sense that the most important thing was to maintain a low and, and simple tax regime. Neither one of these should be taken for granted any longer. Uh, certainly with the tax regime, it's no longer sufficient. Other countries have dramatically reduced their tax rates. Uh, 10, 12 years ago, Singapore had a tax rate on, on profits that was 10 percentage points higher than ours. Uh, we're now at a half point difference. So low doesn't count. We have to be very, very clear on what is the effective tax rate. As far as the bureaucracy, uh, certainly within the, the East Asia region, we're among the very, very best. Um, but that's not necessarily something we should take for granted. We have to be very well, the careful comparison to is with Singapore. The comparison is with Singapore. Yes. And they have also a very clear uh, mandate on keeping an honest and, and straightforward tax administration. It is more challenging to do business there because they have more uh, different kinds of regulation and, and other things such as uh, a GST that we don't have. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can sit back comfortably and say, you know, we don't have to worry about competition from anyone. And, um, I mean, do you think that um, Hong Kong's um, some unbridled capitalism or its small government is also beginning to hurt the city 
compared with Singapore. For example, I was talking about, you know, um, Hong Kong landlords um, often terminating leases when somebody else comes around with more rent. And that's something that people prefer Singapore for because, you know, the government, government controlled entities are major landlords. And so, you know, they kind of help carry out this policy where the country wants to attract more foreign firms to set up headquarters there, for example. And you don't see that ever happening in Hong Kong, right? Well, certainly, uh, Invest uh, Hong Kong has uh, a different view on what we do to try and attract foreign firms. Um, but I, I do think that uh, you know, the sort of open and free capitalism that was a legacy of Hong Kong uh, has been very good for us. Um, and I would question whether it still exists. We are now putting through legislation year by year that is uh, are things that we would never have thought about uh, 15 years ago. Um, you may think that's that's good. You may think that that's bad. But the fact is that we are adding legislation year by year, and it has a cumulative effect. So when you add, and that say, can add to the cost of doing business, wage, and then on top of that, paternity leave, and then on top of that, something else, it's going to have a cumulative effect. Uh, and I don't think we've really thought through or analyzed that effect. Okay, well, it's great talking to you on the show again, David. Thank you for um, the uh, view from the corporate world. That's David O'Rear, Chief Economist of the General Chamber of Commerce. I want to extend a belated congratulations to Simon Holiday, my guest on Friday, for finishing his swim from Lantau to Macau at the weekend. He, he braved the threat of jellyfish, plastic bottles and exhaustion to complete the swim in 10 hours and 20 minutes and raised more than $220,000 for Ocean Recovery Alliance. Well done, Simon. Next, let's turn to Macau. And my next guest, who's been waiting patiently in the studio, is Vinacy Chan, Bloomberg's gaming correspondent. Hello, Vinacy. Hi, Inet. Thank you for joining the show. You've been covering the Macau market for a long time and you visit regularly. So mm-hmm. tell us, has the mood really changed a lot this year with the crackdown on corruption and money laundering? It seems that investors are getting really nervous about the um, the news, like the negative news flow um, in the media world, um, the reports about the crackdown. But as I spoke to um, casino executives, as I spoke to company um, uh, industry experts, um, they don't seem to be too concerned about those negative news flow. And they were saying that they don't actually hear anything um, like, concrete from the government or from the regulators regarding um, those so-called crackdowns. And I guess this year, uh, there's some sort of like um, supply constraint that is uh, also worrying the market. And also you have seen the um, total social financing, um, the money supply in China is decreasing. So that would some sort like um, put, putting pressure on the uh, VIP market, which the Macau market has been counting on for quite some time. Yeah, and, have, you know, we, have we moved mm-hmm. into that new phase yet where the casino industry is becoming uh, less reliant on this small group of VIP gamblers and, um, and um, seeing more you know, mass market um, ordinary visitors? Well, they are trying to. As you see, um, the... Uh, casino operators, especially in the Kotai area, uh, if you visit Macau, you know that Kotai area is the recently developed, uh, the reclaimed land. Um, they are building so many, like, shopping malls, um, convention facilities, and they are trying to, and, and also hotels. Um, they are trying to attract more vacationing middle class, which are less, um, 
uh, volatile. I mean, in terms of their spending, because they're. Uh, um, so I mean, in the old days, VIP gambling would be account for like you know, about three quarters of revenue, right? Yeah, has that, two thirds. Has that about proportion gone down? Um, the VIP still accounts for the big bulk of the revenue, uh, about two thirds. Um, so if you say like last year, Macau's revenue is about forty-five billion US dollar, and that the VIP spending would be a, around like over thirty billion. Right, so it yeah. has the proportion hasn't really gone down yet. Yeah, and um, now there's also a lot of talk recently mm-hmm. about Japan being the next big gaming market. Yeah. So what's the key date that we're watching for? Um, is there going to be a, a, a vote in Parliament soon? Um, yes, the current diac section actually ends June twenty second, and um, the casino bill is going to be discussed in this current diac session. But as I was uh, in the uh, gaming congress in uh, Tokyo the week. Before, before, it seems that the tone has changed. The lawmaker mm-hmm. now saying that uh, it's quite h- tough or quite hard to get the casino bills to be passed, um, this current diet section, because there are just so many things to be considered. Um, so maybe end of this year, uh, we will be looking more optimistically for that uh, casino bill to be pe- uh, to be passed in Japan. And very quickly, which would be the casino operators who stand to benefit the most if Japan does open up? Well, a lot of the U.S. Uh, listed companies have expressed their interest in um, developing uh, casinos in Japan, say Sands, uh, MGM or Wynn. And actually, they are uh, trying to get local partners in Japan, uh, say Sakasami or even Sony, Panasonic, because they have really big uh, entertainment portfolio or content to provide. So I guess along those lines, these companies would stand to benefit. Okay, great. Thank you for joining us today, Venice. That's Venice Chan, gaming reporter at Bloomberg. I'm afraid we've come up to the end of the show. Before I go, the weather, it will be mainly cloudy with a few showers and hot with sunny periods during the day. It's going to stay that way for the next couple of days. Couple of days. Today's maximum temperature is around 32 degrees. Current temperature is 28. Thank you for listening to Money for Nothing. This is Ian and I'll be back tomorrow at 8. The Central Election Commission of Ukraine has confirmed that Petro Poroshenko has won the presidential election.